Leaders come in all different shapes, sizes, and styles. There is not a one-size-fits-all solution to leadership. Our goal is to connect with those who are in the trenches each day, leading themselves and leading others, to learn about their unique style, and to provide our listeners with inspiration to lead. Welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Lead with Empower podcast. We have a wonderful guest today, Sarah Cody from News 8. Sarah has been in Connecticut delivering wonderful news for 20 years. She is a three-time Emmy Award winner, recently named to, uh, to become the weekend news anchor at News 8. Wonderful family from the shoreline in Connecticut. They're staying very active right now while maintaining all of the safety precautions required upon us during this uh, tough time of COVID-19. But really excited to have Sarah Cody here on the Lead With Empower podcast. Wonderful news anchor, wonderful leader in the state of Connecticut. Sarah, thank you for joining. How are you today? Dan, thank you so much for having me on here. We should be transparent, right? And say that you and I have worked together before. Couple times. We've done a couple stories before on the ropes course, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and a couple Xavier contacts, maybe in common. One or two Xavier contacts, which that's hard for me not to have in Connecticut, you know, around right. here. <laughs> and then also, you were an MC, the MC for uh, the rally for bully free communities a couple of years ago that we hosted with the Community right. Foundation of Middlesex County. Yeah, that's right. It's a that's a great event. So this and- is. It's not often that my son paves the way for me, but my son was on your podcast and mom follows. I love it. <laughs> That's right. He set the bar pretty high too, Sarah. So a little pressure on you today. Son. <laughs> and so, yeah, this is not a cold call uh, podcast. There's a little bit of a backstory here, but no, Sarah, I really thank you for coming on today and uh, looking forward to hearing your story and to learn a little bit more about leadership and its, uh, its role and what you do as a, as a news anchor. So thank you. Thank you. I gotta say, I'm not that comfortable being on the other side of the questions. I much prefer being the question asker. So we'll see how this goes, Dan. Oh, you're gonna do great. I think both of us. I'm not this not too comfortable on this end of the mic, and so it's a good challenge for both of us for sure. We'll get through it together. (laughs) Before we get rolling, how how is your family holding up? Obviously, we're in the middle of some tough times right now. Is everybody healthy? Everybody doing okay? Everybody health, everybody is healthy, we're doing fine. I think this is a time, like I keep doing stories for News 8, my segment is Connecticut Families. So I keep doing all these stories where I'm learning from people that it, there's like everything going on. Like we have some simple moments because we're not running around to all these activities that are really special. You know, life is dialed back a little bit, which feels good. Then there are these crazy moments where we're all, all on each other's nerves and don't know where to go and itching to get out, right? Um, but all in all, we're doing just fine. That's great. And Sam gave a very politically correct answer when I asked him, I said, is your younger brother getting on your nerves? He said, no, we're, we're doing pretty well together. So I was surprised at that. I thought he was super politically correct because he didn't so much tell the truth, but they're, but they're doing okay. You're training them. Well, no. yeah. um, and having, I, I'm the oldest of three boys mm-hmm. and I couldn't imagine what it would have been like for my mom and dad yeah. when we were in middle school, high school, if we were in this same situation. So right. Sam, Sam did a heck of a job. <laughs> <laughs> so as we know, we're in the middle of this, this COVID pandemic and the, the quarantine and 
you and your family have been very active on a couple uh, cool projects. So we have some mask making and then we have story times with Sarah. Yeah. Tell, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about those two at-home initiatives that you're taking on. So my husband, just at the start of all this, even before we knew kind of how it was going to progress, like right at the start, he came home with a 3D printer. He was like, you know, I just, I had some extra Amex points and I thought I would get it and I thought it would keep the boys busy um, during this distance learning thing, you know, if they have some extra time. And at the same time he did that, I had heard at work, you know, over and over again, that there was this mask shortage. And I think I'd heard a story or two about 3D print printed masks. So we looked it up and we started printing masks and it's been a really great project. I've enjoyed it. We've donated about 40 at this point wow. um, to a local fire department, to a local emergency room and to a local rehab facility. I wear mine around when I go to Big Y and um, you know, we put them together. So it's been kind of a nice family project. You have to sand them and then put a vacuum filter in them, kind of put them together, put the elastic on. Yep. So it's been neat. How, how steep was the learning curve? Like, are you, are you experts now versus in the beginning? Was it a little clunky? A little bit, but this is one of those programs. I mean, I don't know too much about it, but we found it online and you kind of like send it to the 3D printer through an app. And so it's not like we created the program to make okay. the masks. It was created. We Great. just loaded it into the printer. Um, but yes, the masks, I would say putting them together has become a little bit easier. I found some tricks of the trade. There you go. A little better. And then, uh, you know, following along with you on Facebook, uh, the story times with Sarah looks like it's a pretty popular uh, event there. Tell us a little bit about that initiative. I have been having so much fun with that. So I was this crazy reader with the boys when they were little. We just, every chance we could read, we would. Um, we'd go to the library all the time. We'd go to the bookstore all the time. We sat side by side, the three of us in a row and read all the Harry Potter books start to finish. Oh and it was goodness. probably the best time of my life. Like we would like run home after school to sit together and read, which was so special. So I missed that. So when this all started, I just suddenly had an idea. Like, you know, I think I saw a couple people doing these story times at first and I was like at work, Hey guys, I used to love to read to my boys and I, haven't been able to give up their books because they mean so much to me. They're all in the attic. Can I do a story time with Sarah? And it has been so, so nice. And I sort of roped in my dog because I thought that people would like that. So Lucy, the literary dog, sits with me sometimes when she's patient. There you go. And, and gosh, people have sent me photos of their kids watching. We had a superhero night the other night. A woman sent me a picture of her daughter wearing this, a superhero cape and watching the story time. People have sent me pictures of their dogs. People have sent me pictures in Seuss hats. It's been really, really, I look forward to it. It's been really fun. And is that, is it a, like a once a week event? And how do people find out information about this? I've been doing it three times a week, which is a lot, actually. And I'm like, can I keep this up? I think we've done 15 or 16 so far, which is a lot. Wow. Uh, I know. And the stack of the books we've read is like this. <laughs> I'll send you a picture if you want it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But I don't know how long I'm going to keep it up. As long as I can find the books, I think. Why not? It seems not? like everybody's enjoying it. So what yeah. the heck? Keep it rolling. In terms of people finding out info, it's Monday, Wednesday, and Friday live on my Facebook page. It also gets piped through News 8's Facebook page. And we've been talking about it on the news too. Like they do a little recap about it afterwards. Um, That's so great. Yeah, so great. Facebook is the easiest way. It's a, just a good, a good creative way in this time when people aren't able to share those types of connections, maybe outside of their home. Just a great way to get people 
together for something fun. And I, th- I think that's very important right now, especially during this challenging time. I was hoping to give parents a break that they could go in and have like a cup of tea and watch Jeopardy or something while their kids were watching uh, Auntie Sarah on the computer because (laughs) this is hard, you know? And when you've got the little kids, you know, you're not getting that break that oftentimes is very healthy for everybody when there's a school break, you know? So I I hope it's helping. So two boys, one in middle and one in high school. Yep. Are, are you, do you find yourself having to be very actively engaged with the distance learning or, or, or are they, yeah, really they self-starters? Yeah, they are. Great. And um, with the middle schooler, especially, I wasn't sure at first how involved to be, but he's getting it done. And then I kind of check on the Google classroom or whatever that it's all done and it's done. No, no, you know, nothing from teachers. So yeah, they've been really good about it. Great. That's so, difference, I think between having older kids and younger kids. One hundred percent. Yeah. And so you haven't had to sharp up on like Common Core math skills or anything like that. <laughs> no, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> the math, the math would get a little scary. I think. So, you're from the Boston area originally, and I have to ask because I'm the opposite. Are you a big like Boston sports fan? Do we have to end this thing right now, or can we? Do we have to end this thing right now? No, nah, hey, we'll no. be all right. A big Boston sports fan. Did you talk with Sam about that? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. I made fun of him for it, and then we moved on. So. <laughs> yeah, what? you know, I, I love the Red Sox, Celtics, Pats. Probably probably of those sports, though, baseball's my favorite. Baseball's your favorite. Do you have a – do you – and I know this is not baseball. Do you, are you going to miss Brady or Gronk more on, on the Patriots? Brady. Brady. For sure. <laughs> and who's your favorite, if you, if you can pick one, who's your favorite Red Sox of all time? Oh, gosh, my favorite Red I, At the time, I went through a time when I was a kid where I was really into it. And I was a big Roger Clemens fan. Really? And I okay. had to meet him one time. I ran into him at my parents' car dealership. And I was like starstruck and thrilled. <laughs> I mean, I know a lot's happened with him since then, but at the, at the time, I was a big fan. All right. So we'll, we won't hold that against you too hard here today because uh, I'm the complete opposite, the Yankees oh, no. and, and all that good stuff. I can't, I'm not, not the Knicks, but Yankees and Giants. So, But we'll put our differences aside. We can um, still be friends. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then on the topic of some sports, I read somewhere that you were once a, a ping pong master. The skills are starting to be taken over. Are, so are you no longer like the queen of the household as far as p- uh, table tennis or ping pong is concerned? Definitely not. I love ping pong and I used to think I was really good. And I was until I taught Sam all that I know and he got better than me. So he now um, he wins the family tournaments hands down. But I do, love, I do love ping pong and I haven't updated my News 8 bio page to reflect the fact that I am no longer the ping pong queen in the house. <laughs> we, uh, one of the best uh, Christmas gifts we got as a kid, and it was from our parents to all three of the, the Jascot boys, was a ping pong table. And there were some battles in the basement as kids go. growing up. A lot of fun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> from the Boston area, you ended up uh, going to Trinity College. Yep. What was it about Trinity College that inspired you to enroll there? And then tell us a little bit about you know, what you were involved in, what your major of study was. Give us some background on your experience at Trinity. I loved it. I had a wonderful four years there. I feel very fortunate to have gone there. And I get to, you know, working here now, I get to go back and do speaking engagements there and 
it always just feels so good to be back. Um, I don't know, out of the, the schools I got into and going back to visit them, when I went back to visit them, I just felt most at home at Trinity. And out of the other ones that I was looking at, I think it was fortunate that I ended up there because it was in a city where the other ones weren't. And I was able to intern at Channel 3 and CPTV while I was there, WFSB and CPTV. So it was great to be for what I wanted to do with my life in a city atmosphere. I met my husband there. I met the best friends a girl could ever ask for there, still, still my closest friends, and just really kind of found myself during that time. College was important to me. Some people say like high school was the glory days or whatever. It wasn't <laughs> for me. I, I really loved, I loved college. What was, your ma- what was your major when you were at Trinity? They didn't have like that specific, being the sort of small liberal arts school, they didn't have journalism as a major. So I kind of knew I, I had that in mind for myself. So I majored in English literature, did a lot of writing, and I minored in theater and acting and things like that. So I worked on my performance. And then I did my internships with the news um, world. So it was, it was a good combo. That's great. So did you go to Trinity knowing this is kind of the path I want to take as a career or having a good idea about that? I don't think I knew when I started. I knew I was interested in, uh, I was interested in politics and law. I always liked public speaking. So the news kind of en- encompassed all of those things in terms of the stories you cover, you know. Um, so I think I figured it out somewhere along the way, maybe by junior year. Okay. All right. And was there, you know, whether, again, it could have been in high school or during your time at Trinity College, was there a, a person or a set of experiences that really validated, like, yeah, this, this is really what I want to do and get into? Hmm, that's a good question. I, the news business, when you're um, starting out, can be very tough. It's kind of an either make it or break it, like it fits or it doesn't, you know, especially in those entry-level jobs. So I would just sort of say my good experiences. Channel 3, I was there when Gail King was there and um, Jana Peckinpah, and they were all wonderful to me. So I think just really feeling like it clicked was important to me. And one of, one of the first times, like I always did well in school, but I was never like an A-plus student. I always, <laughs> you know, was scrappy on the sports field, but never really very good. Like kind of getting into the news business just felt right for me and clicked from the start. And so that was an important, empowering feeling, I think. That's great. Is there something from your competitive sports background that you feel you still carry with you as you go, you know, get ready for a day of work or go through a day of work? I just have always been a scrappy, hard worker. And so I was never really very good at sports, but I enjoyed the team aspect of it. And there's a real team aspect to what I do. And um, I don't know, I just, I've never been afraid to really like pound the pavement and, and run around and work hard. And I think that that sort of translates in both those fields. And yep. to keep trying, you know, it doesn't have, it's not, it's not always a story of perfect, right? You know, but yep. you just kind of keep trying. That's great. That's great. So all, all the athletes out there, you know, if you don't end up being a professional basketball player or football player, it's, you know, you're probably going to learn something that will stay with you for some time. So for sure. Sarah, at, with Empower, we, when we define leadership, we break it up into three levels. So there's leadership of self, which is, you know, that internal ability to push and coach yourself through challenge, adversity, fear, and then leadership of others would be the middle level of, you know, doing things that, you know, motivate and inspire those around you towards a, a shared goal. Uh, the third level we, we'll get to a little bit later on. Get, give the listeners an, it, some insight into 
what are some of those self-leadership challenges and then maybe some of the, the, the group leadership challenges that, not that you face, but that are part of being in, in news media? You know, how do you go about bringing the best out of a teammate? You know, because at the end, you just mentioned you work really well as a team. Yeah. Um, how do you go about, you know, either bringing the best out of a teammate or someone maybe having to bring the best out of you on a particular day? I think uh, practice and sticking with things. So I, I work with a friend now who um, I've worked with as a photographer for almost my whole 20 years in Harvard. Oh, wow. And so we're just like, we know what each other is thinking. You know what I mean? So building that teamwork, being patient with each other, I guess listening and watching and hoping they're kind of doing the same. You know, I think patience is just a giant, um, giant skill and it's hard. Um, but things don't generally, you know, come just perfect, just right away. Right. I mean, we, yep. we have to wait for it. Yep. Um, so being patient and I think being collaborative, being open to everybody is, is important too. Absolutely. And those, those are key skills and leadership regardless of, uh, you know, of what you do. So tremendous answer there, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> 20 years in Connecticut news. What were some personal challenges that you faced and either overcame or maybe some personal challenges that served as a, a pretty good roadblock uh, to you during that journey? And, and what have you learned from those challenges that you face, Sarah? I mean, uh, challenges. I've gotten a lot better. You know what I mean? I think <laughs> I look back at my tapes from 20 years ago and I'm like, who is that cute little girl who didn't know what she was doing? But, you know, I didn't know that then and I just kept trying, right? So... I think just knowing that hard work is going to pay off and hard work makes a difference and hard work is going to make you grow and see things. Um, I don't know. I, I something when you were talking stuck out at me, I covered nine, I, I covered nine yeah. 11. Um, they sent me down to Stanford to do live reports from the train station to interview and see people coming off the train from the city with ash on them. And it, it was an incredibly intense day. And then for the next year after that, I did for a solid year, every day I did some sort of nine 11 story wow. interviewing a victim's family, telling a victim's story. Um, and that was a really hard time, but it taught me a lot and it gave, it built this empathy in me in terms of being an interviewer, I think. Like I'll go into families' homes now for my series, Connecticut Families, and people will say, oh my gosh, you feel like a friend right away. And I just, in that time, I think it was 9-11 that taught me how to interview with feeling and sensitively and respect. And, you know, that feeling that we're not apart, we're all together. So yeah. it, it, ta it taught me a lot. And, and just from my... Not only that, but I think from a, from a personal standpoint, seeing these people coming off of a train, having gone through this experience, I mean, if that doesn't have an impact on you, yeah. you're probably in the wrong field. <laughs> it was very powerful. It was a very powerful day. It was a powerful year. It was, um, it was something. And I think it changed the way I relate to people in my job mm -hmm. in terms of the people I'm interviewing. Um, in a, in a positive, empathetic way, knowledgeable wisdom. Yep. And, and how, how hard was it to kind of keep yourself together? Because I, I remember I was, a, I think my senior year in college and I remember watching on uh, television, you know, everything unfold and you know, I couldn't have, I couldn't imagine having to pull it together and, and, and ask questions and 
or just at be in the same space as some people. How, how big of a challenge was that for you personally, Sarah? It was. I mean, I, it was a really super duper long day and you do hold it together because of the enormity of it and the adrenaline, I think. And I remember getting home at 1am or something like that and just sitting down on the floor and crying, you know, it was that kind of, and I think that was how it was for everybody. Um, But covering it for that stretch was a lot, but it did, it taught me a lot. It was an important time in my career. I was young then. So it was a, it was a real learning experience. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, and uh, my wife is a, a chemistry doctoral student. She's now a teacher. Um, we had a lot of conversations about some of the challenges she faced as a woman in the 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 science field, and and uh, especially you know going through her advanced degrees. Were there challenge? Are there still challenges for women in news media? Is it is it a different playing field? And did you have to work through some of those things? You know especially at the starting point of your career? I would say no, not for me. I have, I just, I dove in with my full self when I started this in this business and have always made great contacts and had great relationships with my bosses. I mean, my bosses, you know, I think they recognized in me a, a smartness and an intelligence and, a, and an affinity for the business. Yeah. And I've had bosses be so good to me and really advance my career. So no, I, I, I didn't feel anything in terms of being a woman. I just felt that it required a lot of hard work and, and there are roadblocks and you do have to self-advocate and all yeah. of that. It hasn't all been perfect, but I did never feel it had to do with me being a woman. Okay. That's great. That's great to hear. If you had to identify two or three qualities or strengths of what you feel like is an exceptional news anchor, what would those two or three qualities be? Authenticity. I think people really want to know who we are. They don't just want to know uh, uh, somebody reading a script and looking um, plastic up there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Robotic or whatever. I I think they really want a friend. Um, Some humor. I think those moments when you're throwing the weather and you know what I mean? Like you got to balance that half hour, hour, whatever it is with the seriousness and some of yourself and make people at home feel comfortable and happy too. So what, it, what makes a great anchor? Authenticity, some humor, and also like, uh, I think real knowledge of what you're talking about, you know? I mean, really, when you're not on set in, uh, you know, showing your face, doing the real work behind the scenes to write the stories, write the scripts, meet the people, really, really do the, all of it. Yep. If you had to say how much of a, and is there a typical day? for you or no? I guess that, that's the first, is there a normal, normal work day for you? I guess if, if I'm anchoring, yes. Okay. Um, if I'm out covering my stories, no. And that's what I love about um, being a reporter and, and writing stories. I think, you know, I'm just not the kind of person to work in a cubicle uh, at a computer all day. You know what I mean? Going yeah. out and meeting people and seeing new things and learning new things is awesome. So no, and covering stories, you never, really know what you're going to get. And that is exciting. In, in a day when you're anchoring, how much of that day is spent like with the camera on you versus time doing some of the, the you know, maybe not the research for that particular day, but research for the next day or, uh, or an event down the road? It's mostly, I mean, for the weekend mornings, I'm on camera for two hours. Okay. Um, and then the rest of it is writing scripts and research and thinking of stories for the next week and 
you know, all the behind the scenes stuff. And how uh, have you enjoyed the shift to the weekend? I really have. It's kind of, you know, it's everyone's like, oh, you must be so tired. But I get up at four. I get there at five. We're on at about six. It's not that bad. I'm a pretty early anyway. (laughs) When the boys were young and I wrote for The Current, for the Harper Current, I used to do like most of my writing at five in the morning before they were up. It's quiet. I'd get my coffee. I'd sit sit with my computer. Um, And then it's this small, great crew on the weekend mornings. It's just this fun family. And uh, I'm there with meteorologist Ashley Baylor, who's my friend. So, you know, it's just the two of us on the show. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of fun. So I, I've been enjoying it. It's been great. That's great. Yeah. Definitely doesn't sound like it's a drag whatsoever. <laughs> no, it's, it's exciting. You know, I get a kick out of it, which is why I love it, I guess, you know. So I'm, I'm, never, I'm never bored when I'm there. That's great. You mentioned the early mornings, and that was one of the bigger eye open. I, I knew nothing about news media and then we you know opened at empower 11 years ago give or take and we'd have somebody say hey we want to come out and do a shoot or can we try the zip line and get some video yeah that'd be awesome what you know what day and when do you want to come out and it was yeah we can be you know we'll have to be there at you know 5 30 to get set up and like oh goodness <laughs> i thought i started early <laughs> i remember uh, people would come for like the morning shows right to do a yep. fun live shot in the morning shows or whatever right yep yep so that yeah. was a, a big eye opener to wow I didn't I didn't know that I thought it was you know, I was younger <laughs> just like five and six o'clock at night you know <laughs> when I started in the business my first job in Boston I worked 11 p.m. to 8 a.m. oh and made either eight bucks an hour or 11 bucks an hour it was it was like crazy I made more babysitting no it was eight bucks an hour that I made at the TV station at 11 bucks an hour babysitting <laughs> <laughs> So yes, we work some crazy hours. (laughs) (laughs) I think just like anything, and to be great at something, you go, you have to go through the process of kind of paying your dues and doing those tasks that aren't the shiny fun parts of whatever it is that you're doing. I don't think people always know that. And I hope this generation knows that too, because it's true. And when you work your way up like that and learn everything and work hard, like it builds this repertoire of work for you. You know, it it really puts a foundation behind you. That's so valuable. Without a doubt. And it it gets back to one of the points you made earlier on the, the importance of patience and you know, if you're, if you're really passionate about doing something and doing that thing well, it's, it's usually not going to be an immediate gratification thing. There's going to be a lot of effort and, and energy dedicated to doing it. And, you know, you don't just wake up one day and say, yeah, I want to do this. I'm going to do a great, I'm going to win an award. It's sometimes years of, of hard work and dedication and, and patience for that moment to come. There was one April Fool's Day where I hadn't planned anything to say to the boys in the morning. And I was like, just the first thing that came to my mind when I saw Ben, I said, Oh, Ben, well, it happened. I I decided to leave my job. I've left the news business. And he looked at me and he said, well, that can't be right, mom. You love what you do. And I was like, you're right, April Fool's. But then his little answer stuck with me for so long. I'm so glad I've given them that example of, I love what I do. You know, I think that's important to find in life. If you don't, you're just going through the paces, you know, it's not going to mean as much to you. You're not going to be as happy in your, in your life and in your work. So I, I love that I've taught them that, that I love what I do. Without a doubt. And it was extremely evident in, in talking with Sam a few weeks ago. Um, it, it shows in how he talks about his passion for writing and his passion for sports. And 
uh, it's just so great and uh, to to see that translate um you know it has to make you feel proud for sure thank you it does <laughs> you're welcome look at you know between our email exchanges to get this set up and then looking at your slightly outdated bio <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your words not my now i'm joking uh and then just in, in knowing you past experiences you are super involved in connecticut uh whether and with a focus on kind of those important family i hate to use the word issues but those important family issues that are out there you know challenges maybe you're involved in charitable organizations you have your own podcast and it's called parenting beyond the headlines what what was the inspiration for you to you know not just do the job the you know it's not a nine to five but you know go home and do your own thing but to do your job do it well and then also be so involved outside of that what was the motivation or the inspiration for you sarah to do such a thing I think to be perfectly honest, it was people at first just asking me to be involved. And then when I got involved and it felt so good and I just wanted to do something else with them, you know what I mean? So I've sort of struck up these relationships with the organ donation group here in Connecticut, um, several autism groups, food allergy families. So just, you know, when you get involved and you feel like you're making a difference and kind of giving a voice to people who, um, need it need it and it, you know it's a very reciprocal relationship it just it just it, it just all kind of fell into place and i'm missing that now you know yeah. i had all these different mc events set up for the spring um that now aren't ha- happening and i miss seeing everyone at, at those events it's wonderful to get that feeling of togetherness at an autism yep. walk or something like that what and tell everybody a little bit more about the uh parenting beyond the headlines podcast where can people find that and then give us give us a little insight as to you know maybe a couple of the recent topics that you've discussed on that um i partnered with author and educator amy alamar on that and amy i knew from um interviewing her multiple times for different news stories and I don't know, she and I just got to talking one time and she said, I kind of want to do a podcast. And I said, I kind of want to too. <laughs> and it's been fun because for me, so much of my career has been spent telling these two minute stories, right? Like I have to hit the big points and get it into two minutes because that's my news slot. Yep. Um, but with a podcast, you got a half hour for you, you got an hour, you know, you can really kind of um, get into an issue and flesh it out. So we've been having a great time with it. We've been doing it almost two, it'll be two years in the summer, which I can't believe. Wow. Um, yeah, but we've done, oh gosh, we've done all kinds of stories from, you know, the dangers of vaping to uh, how to talk to your teens about sex. <laughs> I can't believe that one just came to mind, but it did. <laughs> so yeah, we really run the gamut here, Dan. <laughs> the full, the full slate of challenges a parent might face <laughs> there, uh-huh. but you can find it on Spreaker we, we partnered with a um, group called Spreaker and they farm it out to Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio and Spotify you can, you can find it almost anywhere that's great so anybody listening who's a parent and they have teens and want to learn about some of those maybe easier discussions to have and maybe some of those discussions <laughs> that don't come so naturally <laughs> and we will give the advice you'll get some great advice for sure yeah. from sarah and amy on the parenting beyond the headlines podcast and what's um, funny too is that we're the, you know we're the parents like we had the expert on i don't know 
know what I'm talking about with many of those things. And I'm always on there like, what help? This happened and I need your advice. <laughs> so um, it's good. It's fun. It, it reminds me, and my father jokes about it now. He, he was a teacher and coach and you know, administrator at Xavier for a long time. He, when I was a, a young, you know, probably before five years old, he taught a religion class and it, but it was about, you know, family values and raising a family and his whole arsenal of topics was from, you know, I was there first. So I think, I think a lot of the experiences him and my mom had trying to, trying to bring us up and uh, here's some funny stories about potty training that I'm not too, yeah. you know, proud to share right now, but uh, <laughs> I wrote the mommy minute column for many years when, right. for the Harper Current when the boys were little. And I would jumpstart those columns with like a funny thing Sam did or a funny thing Ben did. And you hit a certain age with that and they're like, no more mom. <laughs> the <laughs> foot is down. Are not subjects of your columns. Got it? <laughs> uh, good for them. Maybe they were 10. Good for them for standing up. Oh, I <laughs> None of us ever realized it until we were like in our late twenties, early thirties. And we hear stories from, you know, <laughs> adults my dad had, and it's like, Oh man, I don't want that coming around with me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them. Good for them for standing up to mom there. <laughs> what to get back on topic. Yeah, I know. Where do we go? <laughs> That's the fun thing about podcasting. I liken it to facilitating an adventure activity. You kind of have your, target i want to get to this point and right. then you jot down your steps that you think will happen oh, then it's like wow yeah, yeah and that's where you find some of your best stuff that's right that's yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> what again experience in in the news media industry someone who i again from personal experience interacting with you and then you know catching you out whether it's on on facebook or on tv someone who does it really well what would be a bit of advice you would give to somebody who's pos you know, considering taking this route as a, as a career? Focus. Have focus on what you want and don't be afraid to put your all into it. I think that's a really important lesson that I, I hope this generation of up-and-comers gets. You know what I mean? You, you touched on that a little bit earlier too, but you know, take the low pay, take the horrible shift, you know, walk, walk the paces that will get you to where you want to go with a little bit of patience. Yeah. Um, confidence. There's, uh, you know, you asked about women issues and I didn't feel it so much as being a woman, but definitely starting out, I had people say things to me that could set you back in a big way. Yeah. Um, and you got to have the confidence to surge forward. You know, it is sometimes that kind of a business. Yeah. That belief um, in yourself belief in yourself. Yeah. And just, and to see those dreams through, I think having grit and resilience and facing tough, um, you know, it's going to be tough when you're starting out in any field, especially journalism. And I think having that grit and resilience to not be too sensitive and not be too knocked down, you know what I mean? Like yep. be a little bit strong. Don't do, don't do the complaining thing. Just hang in there. I think all of that is important. Absolutely. And it's, it's funny. So the whole, with the lead with empower podcast, the whole idea is to connect with different leaders in different professions and to highlight that there might be different styles and different voices and different almost leadership personalities, but there's common traits between uh, tremendous leaders. And 
I recently spoke with a, a couple of a husband and wife duo who both coach at the college level, uh, one men's soccer at Amherst College and one women's lacrosse at University of Massachusetts. Very successful coaches, but they both said the same thing you said. Their first jobs were being paid peanuts or even volunteer just to, because they found that passion. They, they found that this is what I want to do. And it was their foundation for what they're doing now. I, you know, I think they're both 10 plus years into, you know, coaching at the college level. So news anchor, coach, teacher, principal of a school, it's not going to happen immediately. You're going to have to not take some lumps, but you're going to have to go through the paces before you get to that point. Yeah, I think that's important. I also, I, I, I don't know if other people have said this to you, but I'm just a very curious person. And I love that I'm still learning. You know, this job keeps me learning all the time. So to find sort of a, a job where there's just continual growth and you're interested in it, you know, I think um, that feeds me. I was in a, and that it's great. You, you stole the thunder. I knew you would do this one, oh, no. too, you professional. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just, but that was, that was the next question I was going to ask. Like, what's that? You've been doing it for so long and you do it so well. What's that motivation? But that continual learner, uh, almost, you know, a lifelong student. And that has been said multiple times. So, um, you know, again, regardless of what you want to want to get into, once you stop having that mentality, it's, you know, I had coaches tell me at that point, it's time for me to be done coaching. And, um, it's great to hear that you're still motivated by that the, yeah. the curiosity and the, the lifelong student mentality. Meeting the people too. I mean, I love this sort of um, the foundation or the idea that everyone has a story and I tell, I tell people stories, you know, and I just, I've been in this state so long and I love that, that now, like whenever somebody, uh, the boss says, Hey, Sarah, do a story about this. I know someone to call because I have all these contacts and all these wonderful people and these families whose stories I've told. And um, that network means, means a lot to me. Absolutely. We're obviously all in the middle of a very challenging time. And this, is, this will be our closing question for the, the podcast here, Sarah. So again, Sarah Cody with, it, with News 8, just crushing it right now, even though she's on the other side of the microphone. Yeah. What's a, what's a positive met you because of your, you're so involved and you're a familiar face that people see what's a positive message you'd like to share with the families here in Connecticut and beyond during this challenging time. Oh gosh. I, I think that we're in this together and lean on each other is really important and that we're lucky in this day that we can do that virtually. We can do that on social media. We can do that the way you and I are talking right now. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if it's the answer to your question, but the, the way old friends have come together in this, I think is a silver lining. I'm doing Zooms with, I have three Zooms that I've been doing each week, high school friends, college friends, and work friends. Yeah. And to have that kind of come back for this weird reason, you know, has really been a gift. So I guess sort of see those silver linings, stay safe, stay with the social distancing, stay the course, otherwise, um, you know, it could be harder to uh, move past this time to take that break when you need it somehow, reach out um, to a friend, reach out virtually, just, you know, we got to figure this out together. Love it. And it, and it has come up in the, and I find myself doing it now as well, where you're hopping on Zoom calls with people that you might not have talked to for 
five years, 10 years. And right? it's, it's fantastic. It's a newfound way to connect, even though you might be, you know, thousands of miles apart. It's, it's the, the attitude of and what you said towards the end there, that the, this situation is completely out of our control. Obviously the social distancing and the safety practices are in our control. We can let that dictate our life on a daily basis, or we can do our best to try to find that, Hey, today was tough, but I had this one positive moment and I felt good about it. And I'm going to wake up tomorrow and feel a little bit better about that day uh, than I would have expected otherwise. So just, you know, recognize the surprises. I think this time is just, it's so odd and so unexpected, but there have been some surprises there. Um, some little gifts. So anyway, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt. And getting to talk to you today, Sarah, is one of those little gifts. Thank you. Oh, God, thank you. This was fun, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, I had a wonderful time. And again, I truly appreciate you coming on today. I know you're busy and, uh, you know, be safe when you're out and about. Keep on doing what you guys are doing with the boys. They're awesome. Thank and you. ladies and gentlemen, that was or that is sarah cody leads with empower you can find sarah all over the place uh but right now predominantly on weekends uh channel eight check her out on facebook monday wednesday friday evenings for the uh, uh read with sarah event which is fantastic and then also again for those parents out there looking for some uh some advice and some great listens the parenting beyond the headlines podcast um, but Sarah, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure having you today. Thanks, Dan. And I'll see you on the ropes course. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Be safe out there, everybody. Thank, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you out next time. Take care. Thank you so much to our listeners. We appreciate you tuning in. And always remember, great leadership looks, sounds, and feels different. However, there is a common thread that connects all tremendous leaders. They are passionate about those that they lead and they spend most of their time in their stretch zone. Not settling for that which is comfortable, because nothing exceptional was ever accomplished from comfort.